The following podcast is part of the Underdog Sports Podcast Network. For advertising information or to find more great podcasts, visit us at www.theunderdogsports.com and follow us on Twitter at RealTheUnderdog. Okay. Well, just for the record, we got a son in Phoenix, too. 52 to... podcast, a weekly podcast where we keep you up to date on everything Phoenix Suns basketball. My name is Charlie Erling, and as always, I'm joined by Mitch Krumpetich. It's the most wonderful time of the year. Yes. All right. <laughs> we are going to start off the show by celebrating Devin Booker's return to the lineup after that hamstring injury that set him out for quite a few games. After that, we'll recap last week's four games against the Clippers, Blazers, Wizards, and Hornets. And then we will preview the next three. We have the Lakers Tuesday, the Thunder Thursday, and then Christmas Day against the Warriors. Shoutouts are in order for our bet question from last week. Shoutout to at Comic Evangelist. We were guessing campaign points in the game against the Wizards. Uh, comic book evangelist on Twitter said 14 points and campaign had 11 points. So shout out to him between the two of us. I was closest. Charlie, you had said 19. So I did the prices right thing and said 18. So I was closest. You still lead the season series five to three. Getting a little tighter now. I can't be cocky anymore. I don't think. Yes. Yes. I'm coming around. Um, also, before we get into everything today, a couple items of housekeeping. I remember when I was in school, they used to say that. Like, if we ever had a you know, class in the middle of the year, and say, any housekeeping items? And we were all like, what does that mean? Right. <laughs> but Very true. Anyway, I'm doing it now. So, uh, first off, this is going to be our last episode of 2021, I believe, because... Right. We are taking next week off, so the week after will be that first week of January, and it will be our six-year anniversary show, actually. So, yes, I know. We've been at it for a while. So, yes, this will be our last episode. This is the week of Christmas. The next week we are taking off, so we'll be back that first week of January. Uh, The other thing is you may have noticed we have some new intro music, and this just is mostly because of my lack of editing ability so i got a new computer and (laughs) i haven't really learned how to edit on it and i was editing on the old computer that's really really old and slow so i've had to switch to editing on my laptop which i just updated and won't open old files anymore so long story long 
<laughs> I can't get to our old intro music anymore, and that's fine. We have new intro music now. And I just want to give some credit to where that intro music comes from. It's a pretty cool song that's called Something Out of Here that was written by a friend of mine, Chris Lundin. Um, We played a lot of music together in college. So that's a, a tune that he wrote, and I actually am playing bass on that. So just thought I'd use that since I'm actually on it. Yeah, and I'm just looking here after... How many is it? 200. How many episodes are we at? To like 95 or something. Yeah. Yeah. I Maybe we're due for some new intro music anyways. Yeah. yeah. So that's going to stick around for now. I don't know how long term it will be. It might be very long term. Might find something else, but that's what it is for now. But yeah. So shout out to Chris Lundin. I know he, I don't know if he still is doing this, but for a while he was, playing at some warriors games he's a great trombone player and they were doing like a jazz quartet type deal at some of their games and he was in that group so that's cool pretty cool Man, i love the trombone i love he's the trombone. great too. he's the best trombone player i've ever played with he's great nice. nice yeah so yeah just fun little thing but that's all i have all right well, we'll start off the show by talking about the return of Devin Booker. And, man, we were both uh, kind of looking forward to this for a few games. We wanted to see him get back in the lineup uh, just to, you know, see that he's doing all right. But, you know, we got to give these guys some time off this early in the regular season when they're getting banged up. Plus the hamstr- hamstring, you don't want to rush that back. So we're just thankful to have him back. Got to see him on the court last night against the Hornets and... The three-point game is still there for D-Book. It looks like he uh, he's not going to slow down in that category. Yeah, and his first few shots didn't fall. A couple of them didn't look great. And, oh, I was just like, oh, no, this might be really bad. And even Eddie said, oh, he's just got to get a few up. Maybe he just needs to get a layup or something. But he hit his stride pretty quickly. So he was out for about three weeks. And... You know, seems to be ready to go now back to full health. Right. Uh, Yeah, he was six for 15 from the floor in this first game back, which isn't spectacular, but four for eight, four for eight from downtown, six rebounds, five assists for uh, 16 points and plus 32 in his 26 minutes. So uh, it was nice to get him back in a game where, we didn't need him to play 36 minutes or whatever he averages on the season. Uh, it just speaks to what the team around him has been able to do without him lately. And then when he gets back in the lineup, they're not taking a step back. We had nine guys in double figures in his first game back. Yeah, it was really nice to ease him in, especially as we have some pretty big games coming up this week. Right, yeah, we... uh with the Wizards and Hornets games, we got to uh, take a little bit of a step back while handling them pretty easy. Kept the Wizards under 100 points in that game. Uh, then held the Hornets to just 106. Pretty solid against the, I believe, number two yeah, efficient number two offense, offense in the league. Yeah. So, yeah, the, the guys are playing great ball. But one thing you got to keep in mind is the pressure it takes off everybody else in the lineup when D-Book is in there. And oh my gosh, yes. 
probably the guy most thankful for that is Landry Shamit. <laughs> yeah, probably. And he did a fine job filling in that starting spot, but yeah, it's just not his thing. So I'm sure Landry is very thankful. <laughs> and he, he uh, you know, he plays 22 minutes in this uh, first game and he gets plenty of shots up, gets 11 shots up four for 10 from downtown for 15 points. But uh, just being able to see him come in with that bench unit on a more of a regular basis and then be matched up against bench guys, he just looks so much better and more comfortable. And I think that'll be really beneficial for us moving forward with uh we, we saw so many lineups with campaign and then ish or not ish excuse me alfred payton alfred payton yeah and then we'd throw in Shamit, and that's a that's a three guard lineup but one that you're not really excited to put out there no no not at all i also think this takes a lot of pressure off of chris paul and this game against the clippers from last week illustrates just how helpful Booker is because they were really able to put a lot of pressure on Chris Paul and also no Aiton makes a difference too. But uh, yeah, they, that's how they won really is they put that pressure on Chris Paul and he didn't get a ton of help. So yeah, it's, I still think Devin Booker is probably our overall best player. It's hard to say because Chris Paul is amazing. Uh, but, you know, without him, it just really changes the the way that our team looks. We still were pretty successful, but we had to do things a little bit differently. Right. And the point about Chris Paul, if you're talking about who the better player is, and it's that's an interesting conversation to have because you see Chris up in the top five of MVP voting and D-Book, maybe it's a little mentioned in the top 10, but nothing too serious. And I just find it... So much fun to watch how Chris Paul can, you know, not shoot the ball more than 10 times in a game, not go for 20 points, but just have that huge, huge, huge impact. And yeah, maybe he saves the scoring for later in the game, but the fact that he's on the court running the show in most of these situations is is so big time. While with D-Book, D-Book, we need to see him put up 25 to have that sort of impact. Yeah. Well, and I think this is where the whole argument comes in of MVP being most valuable player and not necessarily best player. And I I think it is safe to say that Chris Paul is our most valuable player just because of that impact he makes just by being on the floor. I still think overall Devin Booker is probably our best player. Chris Paul is the most valuable. I can get behind that. I, I agree with that. And moving forward, that's a that's something that I'd like to see all fall into D-Book's hands because Chris is getting older. We don't know how many years we're going to be keeping him around. Uh, it's that partial guarantee in year three. Yeah. That right. Who knows what will happen by then. Right. But Two years at max type thing after this season. Right, and I don't know if D Book will ever have you know the the effect on the floor that Chris Paul has, and us bringing in a point guard who can do a little something like that might be a pretty important thing moving forward with this franchise. But uh, I think we can safely say that 
you know, D book came back and he's the guy that we lean on to get the buckets. It's going to be like that for a long time. Yes, definitely. And yeah, well, looking way forward, the team I'm sure is thinking about this already too, but we're going to need a starting point guard for after Chris Paul. We do not have one on our roster right now. Campaign is not a starting point guard. As much as I love Alfred Payton, not a starting point guard. We've seen Booker do the point guard stuff, but we just know he's so much better playing off the ball. He's so much better as the two guard. So that's something that I think the Suns are going to need to start to consider is two to three years down the line, who is your starting point guard going to be? Right. And I mean, campaign had a pretty nice week of basketball, but it, it is tough to see him slotting in as our starting point guard for the, for the, like the, a few years from now. It, it's just right. tough to see because he's, what is he? 26, 25, 26. Yeah, that sounds right. So, I mean, technically we'll still be in his prime for another year or two at that point, but it's just not the same as what Chris Paul does on the floor or a true floor general. I mean, Cam Cam's more so looking to get his bucket compared to being a distributor. And then if, uh, and then when you flip it and look at Chris's responsibility like that, when Chris says it's time to score, he does it at such a better rate than Cam too. Yeah. Well, and it's, it's something that we've seen before. Leandro Barbosa was never meant to be a starting point guard. One of the better backup point guards ever, but he was just not intended to be a starting point guard. And everyone, including him, knew that, and he had a great career as a backup point guard. (laughs) Change of pace kind of guy. And I think campaign is in a very, very similar vein to that. And it's not anything against campaign. He fills his role very well, and he'll have... He's had a good career thus far as he's had this resurgence and he's going to continue to have a great career. Uh, I just don't see it as a starting point guard. All right. So D book is back. We're very happy about that. I want to add on one more thing. Do you think we'll see Frank Kaminsky or Dario Saric back? Will we get to see that Uh, this season? That's so difficult to say. I don't know a whole lot about this Kaminsky injury. I will say that. It's, Same. It seems like it could be anywhere between coming back next week and not for the rest of the season. <laughs> so yeah. I have no idea where that lies. Dario, his injury was, when was it? June? Yeah. He tore his ACL. So it seems like most guys need a year or so to recover from that. So playoff late playoffs, or I guess the middle of the playoffs, maybe middle to late playoffs. Are we really going to bring him back during that time? Unless I suppose he has a little bit of a faster recovery. If he's ready to go by say April, but I don't know. That doesn't seem super realistic to me. Right. I keep going back and forth on it because Dario Saric is not going to be missing a ton of athleticism after this uh, recovery. That's right. You know, he didn't have a ton to start with, so I don't think he's going to be losing out on a ton. That's not where his game is. So that's probably a 
a pro. Yeah. But will he be in any kind of shape to play even 15 minutes on the court after missing that much time? I'm worried about that too. Yeah, it's a tough question. And you just have to ask how long can JaVale McGee keep scoring 19 points? <laughs> <laughs> That's very true. Man, but having a a small ball five like Dario was playing last year would come in handy in some situations this season. And then yes. especially moving into the playoffs, if we uh, match up a little better with teams like that, I'd, I'd love to have him back. But man, when you're playing this well, 24 and five, it's uh, it just feels like nitpicky to worry about a guy coming back this late in the season. I mean, we still have the trade deadline coming up. We could very well make a move to add a little more depth, but man, we'll just have to see. Yeah, we do have Jalen Smith right now, who we've seen on the court a little bit because we've been playing so well lately. Right. And he looks like Jalen Smith. So hopefully we don't need to play him very much when it comes to that time. Or ideally we trade him. I don't think we would get anything really back, but I think ideally he could be a piece of a trade for maybe another backup big or something like that. Yeah. It it's just a uh, yeah, he has very little value, which is sad and yeah. then to trade him off, you'd have to think that Dario would have to be connected and then that Probably. that eliminates the, you know, the chemistry that he had with all these guys that they built last year. I mean, that's just gone forever after, at that point. There's no chance of right. coming back, which is and, tough, too. And we know that Monty has that connection to Dario and really likes him. So I so, don't want to move Dario. And I'm totally happy if we just stand pat at the trade deadline. Yeah, I think so, too. Unless there's a, a veteran on a minimum that wants to get out of somewhere. I don't know yeah. what we could even do, because if we're going up in cap, you'd have to trade Dario or Jay. Both yeah. around $10 million contracts if you want to make any sort of splash. And I'd rather just hold on to those guys, too. Yeah, I think so. But All right. we'll see. It's going to be interesting. Okay, do some game recaps, and we'll sadly start off with a loss against the Clippers. And in this one, we had no Booker, no Aiton, and no Jalen Smith. So uh, McGee was the lone big man in this one, and I was worried going up against Zubats and... Even Hartenstein, Hartenstein, they're both solid big boys. So, yes, that wasn't where we got dominated, though. Uh, we mentioned this a little earlier, but the ball got taken out of Chris Paul's hands. They had man guarding him, full court pressure. As soon as the ball got brought out, you know, there was a lot of chances where he couldn't even catch the, an inbound pass, and we'd have to move it along to someone else. And that is something that does really concern me. Even if D books back, because taking the ball out of Chris's hands is not good for the offense, no matter which way you try to spin it. Yeah, that's true. I still think no Aiton, no Booker allows them to put that pressure on. And even if we have one of those guys out there, Chris Paul has more of an opportunity to make you pay. That is true. But, I mean, when he's getting pressured at, at half court, 
and he can't even get the ball up to the three-point line more or less until there's seven or eight seconds left on the shot clock, that's the, that's what really bothers me. We saw that happen to us in the playoffs, too. And maybe that's they true. were taking advantage of a, a, a bit of a banged-up Chris Paul in those situations. But yes, that's true, too. That is the one thing I worry about. And with that, I think once we get to the playoffs, I mean, if teams want to do that to us in the regular season and wear themselves out, whatever. But when we get to the playoffs, can you do that for a seven-game series? Can you put that kind of pressure on a on a point guard with, you know, you can, sure, you can sub in two or three guys to keep them a little bit fresh, but I don't know if that's going to be sustainable against us for a full series. I don't think so, especially because if they did that for one game, we would adjust and they wouldn't be able to put that much pressure on. So I don't really worry about that too much in a seven game series. Yeah, I don't either. And you know, there's ways that you can still end up with Chris at the top of the key, setting up a pick and roll ready to go, even if he doesn't bring up the ball. I mean, we we run that off ball motion at the start of plays and then have a guy right. come off a little curl off a handoff. I mean, we can give that handoff to Chris right at the three point line and start the PNR from right there right, compared right. to him fighting against full court pressure for 15 seconds before we even do anything. Yes. And it's the NBA NBA teams know how to break a full court press. It's not nearly as effective as in college even, or, you know, high school level where you'll see a team press and it will be devastating. It's not like that in the NBA because these guys are so good. They know how to break something like that pretty easily. Yep. And, you know, one thing that we can do to combat this is to actually get to the free throw line early in the game or at least start drawing some fouls because we all know when there's four fouls and we're one away from shooting the penalty, uh, Chris Paul is going to pull that rip through if the defense is too tight on him. And I mean, he can do that anywhere on the court after he catches a pass. He could have very well been pulling that against man in this Clippers game as soon as he caught an inbound pass a few times, but you have to get to the line first to put that pressure on him. Right. And we've been slightly shaky from the line this season. And by that, I mean 85% instead of 90 for our best free throw shooters. So <laughs> we'll be okay. But it's just a little bit odd to see some of these misses from the free throw line this year. I know. And seeing guys miss two in a row has just been, it seems like it's been going on quite a bit. And Let's just move right into the Trailblazers game where Damian Lillard missed two free throws in a row. Or was it just one big one? I, I can't remember. I want to say it was two. free throw that he yeah. missed. Yeah. And it, it kind of ruined their chances in the game. Yeah. This was an exciting game. I believe it was our first overtime game of the season, too. So, or maybe second. Maybe. I'm blanking. But we maybe. haven't had many this season. So... It, it was pretty exciting, and yeah, Damian Lillard really struggled in this one, and he has kind of had some similar struggles all season, so it's not just the Suns thing, though we do have a very, very strong defense this season, so that was nice that we were able to make him pretty uncomfortable, and 
Yeah, I mean, get back on track after losing a pretty rough one to the Clippers. Right, and there was a pretty funny point in this game where Damian Lillard said, I'm not coming out, and this was in the fourth quarter. At some point, they had, uh, they had uh, what was it? They had built their lead by a little bit, and he didn't want, to, want him to lose it. And then it's just rough seeing him. Like, the guy that wants to do that is shooting 11 for 31 from the floor, 5 for 16 from downtown. Uh, it, I don't like seeing Dame struggle. He's one of my favorite non-Suns players in the league. But yes, uh, the Trailblazers, man, they there's just always some sort of issue with them. Someone's always hurt. I, I still don't think that Lillard and McCollum is a like a sustainable winning backcourt. They just need to do something different, and I it, it might be time to trade Dame. Yeah, it's really sad. I feel like there's an interesting relationship between the Blazers and the Suns. The Blazers have destroyed us in many games. But right. since the Suns have gotten to as good as we are now, this is the general consensus that I see just based on my own opinion and what I see on Twitter and such. As I know a lot of Blazers fans and follow a lot of Blazers fans, a lot of my friends since I went to school in Washington, kind of adopted the Blazers after the Sonics left. But the overall sentiment that I see is Suns fans kind of have a soft spot for the Blazers. We understand their pain to a certain extent. We like watching them, don't really have anything against them. But then the opposite, Blazers fans hate the Suns now. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I see as of late. Yeah, and another thing, we, well, I always kind of rooted for Dame being a loyal player and staying with the Trailblazers because with Booker, we were hoping he'd be that kind of guy too, you know, who maybe had every reason to request a trade and get out of there at some points of his career, but didn't. So yeah, I, I felt that kind of connection to the Blazers as well. Yeah, and Dame went to Weber State. So that's always cool to see the small school guys succeed. I have a cousin who went to Weber State. So I've liked him from the start. And he's a great player, too. But they just have not had the same level of success that they had back in the day when they had, well, at their best with Dame and Aldridge and Batum, that team. And it's sad. I agree. What wasn't sad about this one, though, DeAndre Ayton coming back after that non-COVID illness and, you know, getting thrown right back into the fire, having to play 44 and a half minutes in this overtime game, ends up with 28 points on 12 for 17 shooting, got to the line five times, 13 rebounds, couple steals. Uh, Obviously, just so happy to see him back in the lineup, which was able to give JaVale a bit of a a night off, only playing eight minutes and not scoring out of his mind. So it's just nice to see that balance that we've got to see come back over this entire week. Yes, it's been nice. His free throw shooting has been big. We have talked about he needs to get to the line over and over and over again, and he's doing it now. He is playing really tough, playing strong down low, His mid-range game comes out every so often still, which I have no problem with because he can make a lot of those shots. His post moves have gotten better, and yeah, it's hard to stop him. So he's been getting fouled a bit more and shooting some more free throws. 
And uh, Chris Paul in this one, 24 points and the clutch just on display in this one, man. Uh, right. And this was the one where the – did you see the video of Chris's son? That's my dad. Yeah. Oh, I think I did, yeah. That's so cool. <laughs> I, I felt I felt all the feels for that, and I can't – Chris seeing that, that's so cool. Yeah, it's awesome. And it's just one of those games where – Sure, he does a lot throughout, but the scoring doesn't really come out until it needs to be there. And it's just automatic. So, just Chris Paul doing Chris Paul things. Oh, I got one more for this one, too. Yes. Uh, Mikhail Bridges struggled a little bit in this one. Was the only guy in the negative in the plus-minus column. Minus 14. Everybody else was positive. Yeah. Uh, We saw him ride the bench. For extended periods of time in That's the right. fourth, and then yes. I believe even in overtime he missed a little uh, some of those five minutes. I might be wrong on that, but yeah. there there was an extended period of time where we were rocking uh, Cameron Johnson out there as the small forward, more or less. Right. Yeah, Mikhail just struggled in this one, which doesn't happen often, but he's human. He's like anyone; he'll struggle at times. And Cam Johnson had been playing well over the last few games, so. Yeah, absolutely. It's it was just a little surprising to see. Yes, Cam Johnson's been playing great. Yes, Mikhail had a night off, but uh, taking him out during crunch time, it was still odd. just a little odd. But I mean, hey, it led to a win. Monty Williams knows what he's doing, believe it or not. So I'm I'm not gonna I'm not saying it was a bad idea. It was just uh, interesting to see happen. Yeah, and actually that reminds me of something that. Monty Williams is an assistant for Team USA basketball now. Ah. As Steve Kerr takes over as the head coach, and Monty Williams being one of the assistants along with Mark Few goes Zags. So that's pretty cool. But I've been hearing that Monty is next in line for the head coaching gig once Steve Kerr is done. So that's pretty cool. I can see that. How many years has Kerr been doing being the assistant he's been doing it for a while if i if i'm correct here i, I can't so tell too. you an exact number but i think he's been at it for a while and yeah. popovich was the head coach for quite some time so right it, it's not going to be anytime soon probably that monty will take over those duties but everything i'm hearing says yep he's next in line yep i think uh i i don't know how anyone could ever complain about that because he's proven it as a coach this year, and then obviously just his character as a as a man is uh, yeah. He's got to be he's got to be one of the most liked and well respected people in the league. You don't ever hear people say much bad about Monty Williams. No, and uh, I I can't remember who said it, but it was uh, right after Monty got hired. They said something like, you couldn't find a single person that's ever worked for the NBA who would be upset about Monty Williams getting a head coach spot again. That's right. That's right. Yeah. And uh, yeah, that's a uh, that's really cool. And he chose us over the Lakers. So, that's yeah, cool. got to always throw that in. Yeah. Love. That. All right. Next game. We uh, get a couple or a day off or two, then we come home, take on the Wizards. And in this one, final score, 118 to 98, held them under 100, 20-point victory. 
uh, eight guys in double figures, no one doing too much anything crazy. Well, except JaVale leading the team with 17 <laughs> points in his yeah. almost 16 minutes. Six for eight from the floor, five for five from the line. Eight boards, two assists, two steals, one block, plus 16. <laughs> JaVale, JaVale's the man. He is. He is. We talked about him a lot last week. We've talked about him a lot this week. He's just doing it all. So very happy for JaVale. And yeah, this was a good game. And as we had mentioned last week, the Wizards were missing some pieces. Rui has been out with an injury. Go Zags. Hopefully he's back soon. Um, But yeah, we just held the Wizards in check. These teams that are pretty high-powered offensively but don't play great defense, really struggle against us because our offense is, what would you say, 11th, ranked 11th in the league right now. But our defense is top three. So we do a pretty good job of hanging with those teams offensively and then just shutting them down on the defensive end. Right. And you look up and down their roster. You say you hold Bradley Beal to 26. That's that's going to be a win for the Suns. Work. Uh, yep. And, I mean, Beal had a nice game, 11 for 18 from the floor. He was efficient. He did a little bit of everything. But, man, the I, I'm just still shocked about how they started off so hot. Like, yeah. we had the same record as them, what, 10 or 11 games yeah, into the that's season? Yeah, right. that's right. And, yeah, they're, they're 500 as of this game. I'm not sure what they've done since. But uh, I, I was excited for them at – at one point, but now I don't know if Rui and Thomas Bryan are going to make that much of a difference and get them, <laughs> you know, back well over 500 again. Right, but right. Hey, maybe it's a play playing appearance, or maybe they can sneak in as the eight seed. I don't know what's going on in the West. The Cavaliers are one of the best teams in the in the East. Excuse me. Uh, that that's crazy. Right, I know it. <laughs> this is the thing that I love about the NBA, though, is you get time to kind of fluctuate up and down. So a team that starts off really hot, sure, that's going to be important, but they'll come back down to earth. And then they've got an opportunity to maybe get back to where they were at, or maybe they continue to to decline and you get to see what the team is really made of. And I was thinking about this in comparison to the NFL just this past weekend, because they were talking about the Chiefs, how the Chiefs started out with, what was it? Four early losses. They were three and four at one point through week yep. seven. And in the NFL, that could be catastrophic. Most teams don't make a comeback like the Chiefs did and win seven or eight games in a row like they have. That's very, very difficult to do in the NFL, which I guess I understand the appeal of that, of every game meaning so much. But you get a lot of these flukes and weird circumstances so i think i like i like the way that it works on both sides but basketball you really just get to see what a team is actually made of and you have to have consistent sustained success that is not as fluky that's why you go sign a guy or trade for a guy like chris paul that's right exactly all right and the last game of the week against the hornets uh, a spanking 137 to 106 we got out to a 37 to 15 lead at the end of the first quarter and uh just really never let him crawl back at all yep booker came back 
didn't have to play very much. 137 was our highest point total of the season in a single game. I'll take it. It was fun. Yep. Uh, season high 23 pointers made for the team. 20 for 41 from downtown. 48.8%. Uh, we're not going to lose if we shoot it that well. It, it will not yeah. happen. Right. That That's the key to winning. And yeah, we kept their big play guys quiet. LaMelo Ball has been great this season, and we shut him down. Miles Bridges probably going to win most improved player if he keeps playing like this. He didn't do a whole lot. He had a couple pretty nice plays, big highlight plays. That's what he does, but didn't really do much aside from that. He helped my fantasy team, I will say. There He's you been go. A nice, nice player to have on my fantasy team. And man, I don't know if I've ever witnessed a team that could be so offensively potent and then so poor on defense. Yeah, it's kind it's kind of amazing. And uh, like my wife is a she's a big Suns fan. She doesn't follow the rest of the NBA too closely. So she was like, all right, what are the Hornets like? And I said, it's going to be fun to watch them, but they're not going to win. That's, that's funny. We had almost the exact conversation. Yeah. And I just said they're a great offensive team and they're terrible at defense. Right. There will be fun highlight plays, but it will not turn into a victory for them. Right. And, you know, they're 500 too, just like yeah. the – right, similar to the Wizards. So Yeah, yeah. It's almost like they've got five Kelly Oubre's out there. <laughs> Real flashy. <laughs> Got to make some exciting highlight plays. Not play very much defense. <laughs> no. Kelly, just a, a typical Kelly Oubre kind of game. 18 points on 6 for 15 shooting, 1 for 7 from downtown. <laughs> uh, and then the obvious zero assists. You got yeah. to always check that out. The big fat yep. zero. He's putting up those shots. Yeah, He's he good. is. He is. And I'm happy for him. I was telling my wife this because she liked Kelly when he was in Phoenix, like most of us did. And yeah. we were just, I was saying, I'm happy that he's playing and for the most part succeeding in Charlotte since he just wasn't a good fit with the Warriors last year. Right. Uh, he, he didn't want to buy into what the Warriors were doing. And this uh, this Hornets fit is probably a lot of fun for him. But it's yeah. not going to, you know, it's not going to lead to a championship like we're trying to do here in Phoenix. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, a couple more fun notes about this game. Nine in double figures. I don't think I've seen that yet this season. <laughs> yeah. And in a game where we break our season record for three pointers made, JaVale McGee leads the team in scoring. <laughs> Isn't that hilarious? It's crazy. 19 for JaVale. It. All the starters were in double figures. And then obviously we had Shamit, Payne, and Johnson all in double figures as well. Yeah. <laughs> Just keep it going as long as you can, JaVale. We don't ever expect this out of you. So it's so much fun when it happens. And we've got high-flying dunks. We've got... <laughs> they kept calling him Iceman because he yep. had the, the moves from the top roll. of the key with the finger roll. <laughs> he did it with the right and left hand. <laughs> yeah. Just 
stuff that we never expect to see from JaVale, but it's always welcomed. No Skyhook in this game, sadly, but maybe next time. you can only be George Gervin and Hakeem Olajuwon in separate (laughs) games. You can't be both those guys at the same time. (laughs) Oh, boy. Man, I'm looking forward to the all-star break for JaVale. Like, that guy needs needs a few days off. Yeah. I'm already excited for that for him. I'm worried that he'll be an all-star and he won't get that. <laughs> people have been talking sixth man of the year. And I don't know how you can deny it unless you can say he's not playing enough minutes. But the stats are there, which yeah. is uh it should be a plus, not a yeah. minus. I agree. It's I was actually just thinking about this too, about all-stars. How many All-Stars are we going to have? Are we going to be the first team to have four All-Stars since that Atlanta team a few years back? I don't I don't see it. Do we get Chris Paul, Devin Booker, DeAndre Ayton, and JaVale McGee in there? <laughs> no. Yeah, no. I don't think so. I'd, I'd be real happy if Ayton made it, though. I yeah. think Chris and Book should make it. I think Ayton's a question mark, but man, I... It's tough to deny him still, you know, he, uh, he's so efficient out there. Yeah. He's been so good. We've got, we've still got a little bit, so we'll see what he can do until the voting starts in the middle of January or so. So, right. Yeah. We'll see, but exciting. Okay. Let's preview the three games this week. Uh, first one on the docket at the Lakers on Tuesday and we like talking about Devin Booker under the spotlight, whether it be playing at Madison Square Garden in New York or if it's uh, the the Crypto.com Center. Is that Soon what it's called be. now? I think Soon they're changing so the it's name still, officially it's still on the Christmas. Staples. Okay, so yeah. it'll still be the Staples at that point. but Or this uh, might be the last game there before they change it. Ooh, the Devin Booker closing the Staples Center. Yeah. With a 50 burger. Let me look. I'm going to make sure that that's true. Because they might have one more before Christmas after us. No, I really hope it is. Because then we could say that Devin Booker closed the Staples Center on two different occasions during the playoffs last year. And then actually closed it forever on a Tuesday. Um, That'd be neat. I hate to burst your bubble, but they play the 23rd. They play the Spurs on the 23rd, so. Oh, it's going to be a rare occasion of me rooting for the Spurs to uh, end the Staples Center then. Yeah, yeah. I'm petty like that. But still, it's still going to be nice to go in there, and we know Anthony Davis won't be playing. LeBron... LeBron has been odd because he's had some really, really good games, and then he'd has, he's had some games like, yep, he's 37. So yeah. they Carmelo is, I'm sure, a question mark. I know he's been day-to-day as of late. Westbrook was in COVID protocols and then out very quickly, but he also has not been very good. Everyone kind of expects them to do the usual LeBron, shake the whole team up as soon as... <laughs> guys who were signed this past season or this past off season can get traded, which actually I think that was the 18th that that's 15th. So. I think. Oh, 15th, 15th. So yeah. 
any day now, expect a lot of Woj bombs coming from the Lakers side of things as they get rid of all the guys that LeBron isn't liking. Oh, it just hurts to see that. Well, I enjoy it, but if I were a Lakers fan, knowing that they're just ruining the future of the franchise by doing every little thing that LeBron wants now, like if they try to make moves to improve themselves this year, it's not going to be good for them. Uh, Unless they're bringing in good young players, but I don't know if that's LeBron's style. Would he want to be bringing in young young guys that uh, he hasn't played with before? I, I don't know about that. That, that aren't his son. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, no, I'm just worried, though, because if they... Like, they're talking about trading Taylor Horton Tucker, who hasn't been doing anything fantastic this year, but is one of the few young players with potential that they still have on the team. Like, I'd hate for them to trade him if I were a Lakers fan to try to get someone else in here. I mean, Anthony Davis isn't going to stay healthy. He's going to come back in four weeks. He's going to get hurt in five weeks. So Mm -hmm. I, I just think that that's a terribly constructed team. They didn't really learn their lesson last year, and they they doubled down, and it's gonna it's gonna burn them again. Remember how everyone said the Lakers were for sure going to the Western Conference Finals, and the Suns oh, yeah. didn't stand a chance. Yeah, you know how you can bet for like uh, you can bet that on sports books. I wish you could bet against it. You just have yeah. to select like uh, the bet is for the Lakers making the playoffs or the finals or whatever it is. I wish you, I wish I could have just bet against that when it, when those odds were so high for them to make the conference finals and finish number one with 50 wins and all that garbage. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. They, they look worse than last year. So we'll see what happens. Vogel will probably be out any day. Now it'll start hearing about all the moves and, Oh boy. It's what we like. Get your popcorn ready. Get your popcorn. That's right. All right. So that game's Tuesday. Then Thursday, we have the Thunder, who are obviously tanking and playing random players and trying to get all these young guys to fit together. And it's just tough. I mean, Gilgis Alexander is a great player. He is. I, I just feel for him kind of similar to like how we felt for D book being the one star on the team who can be the one that potentially can propel you to some victories, but you, you're being held back by what's surrounding you. Yeah. And it seems like Chris Paul and Shay Gilgis Alexander still have a really good relationship. So, right. It's, it is sad for him. I really like him too. I think he's an awesome player, one of those future of the NBA kind of guys. So, yeah, you want to see him succeed, but yeah, the Thunder are really not going to be relevant until all their draft picks start happening potentially. So, all 100 of their draft picks? Yes. Right. You just have to – this is a game where you have to make sure you're ready to play and you don't overlook it. Very true. And Giddy is impressive, though. They're, they're one rookie. He, I've mm-hmm. seen some of his uh, stat lines where he just does a little bit of everything, and I think he uh, – I was pretty down on him early on, like in the draft process, but mm-hmm. I think he can come around for sure. I thought the athleticism would hold him back way too much, but, I mean – 
we can see guys who aren't super athletes be successful. Yeah. And I also am interested in seeing what comes of the Pokuchevsky guy. Right. I mean, he's just one of those that seems to have all the tools, but doesn't really know how to use them yet. So it'll be interesting to see what comes of him. Yep. He could very well drag and bender himself. He could. He could. Yep. Hopefully he I hope not, though. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't I don't wish that upon anybody. <laughs> no, Sorry, Drago. No. Not even no. Dragon Bender. I liked Dragon Bender. I I liked Dragon Bender until he started talking smack about how he didn't get great opportunities to improve his game in the NBA. Yeah, like uh, if a team buys in on you that early in the draft, they're gonna try to do everything they can to make you a better player. Right. Uh, right. Yeah. Whatever. That's like, the past. That is the distant past. Yes. All right. And the game everybody wants to talk about Suns and Warriors on Christmas. Warriors dealing with a little health and safety protocol issues, too. So Poole and Wiggins currently in there. I'm just hoping this is a both teams are as healthy as possible because this is the matchup that everybody wants to see. Right. Yeah. I want to see him at full strength. I was kind of hoping Clay would be playing. Hoping right. and not hoping. he will. They announced he will not be playing. He's aiming for an early January return. Uh, but aside from Clay, I want to see this team at full strength and get just another taste of what a potential Western Conference Finals could look like. And uh, what's the James Wiseman situation? Is he... Is he yeah. nearing back? Is he kind of on the same schedule as Clay, maybe? That's a good question. I really don't know how close. I'm not he is. too sure either. Um, and they need the big man. They and even though he hasn't shown a ton during his pro career so far, I mean they just need that body to be able to throw there out there, especially against a guy like Aiton. Uh, that Looney doesn't quite cut it for them. Aiton should be able to dominate Looney. And then off the bench, I think they're throwing in, is it Bielitsa at backup center? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So those are guys that uh, we should be able to take advantage of. We saw a little bit of that in our last matchup, but not not enough since we lost. But uh, yeah, I they need him back. And then I am just so curious to see what they're going to look like once Clay is back on the roster. Right. Yeah, because it's been so long since he since he's played. And it looks like Wiseman doesn't have a timetable to return still. He's not scrimmaging. This is as of December 6th, but still not scrimmaging, just individual court work. So no timetable there. So I really don't know what they're going to look like without Clay, though. That's going to, or with Clay, sorry. Uh, right. We know he's great, but it's been so long. So happy to see him nearing his return, though. Everyone wants to see Clay on the court. We all like him. Uh, this is also our bet question game. So our question is, how many points will the Suns score? The whole team, how many points will they score in this Christmas Day game? And I believe I have to go first. So yes, please. I'm going to go with uh, 115. Huh. Uh, do I Bob Barker it? <laughs> no, I won't. I'm expecting 
a pretty high scoring output, even though, yeah, these are two of the better defensive teams in the league. I mean, there's there's just so many weapons that each team has that can go off. Yeah. Uh, you said, what, 115? 115, yeah. Okay, I'll do 117. I won't Bob Bark it. All right. So and yeah, I don't know. This is it's hopeful, man. I'm just hoping for a like a barn burner. I want to see both teams just go off, put up a ton of points, and just entertain everybody on Christmas. I'm so happy we're playing on Christmas. I'm excited for it for sure. Uh, yeah, so let us know on Twitter at Sunny and PHX Pod how many points you think the Suns will score against the Warriors on Christmas Day. I can't promise that a tweet will go out. I may very well forget. I'll try to remember, but it'll be Christmas Day. We'll see. (laughs) Fair enough. Um, Okay, but with that, we're going to move to our non-sports section of the show. This question is inspired by a conversation we were having as friend of the show, the man who needs no introduction but gets a really long one anyway, Josh Cran on on Twitter was in town, and we all went to dinner. We were talking about things – qualities, behaviors that make a good spouse and more specifically in our cases that make a good husband. And our wives were all excited about this and said, you guys could talk for hours and hours about how great husbands you are. And we said, oh, oh, take it easy. You no need to flatter (laughs) us in front of Josh. I was beat red. (laughs) Okay, okay. I'm exaggerating a little bit. But we were talking about what it takes to keep your marriage strong. So what's one tip you have for how to do that? All right. This is this is the go-to for me. And I learned it during our like our marriage counseling classes before we even got married. Yes. And as men, sometimes guys like us like to fix the problem instantly. But when I found and I was told that when your wife has a problem, you're not there to fix it right away. You can you can empathize with the situation. You can uh, feel their emotions before you go and try to just fix it. Because I, I can understand how that could just be kind of a crummy feeling. Like if you're having a rough day and then you're told, oh, just do this to fix it. That's that's no fun. So when uh, when someone's down, it's always nice to just empathize a little bit before you... Uh, just go right into fixing the situation. And then I found that uh, that does make things quite a bit easier because, yeah, I've, I've pushed the boundaries both ways. <laughs> I've, uh, I've tried to fix things a little too quickly, and I, I know that that's not, that's not the route. So just a little patience, a little empathy, and that goes a long ways. Yes. In our marriage prep, we watched a video called It's Not About the Nail. I recommend that anyone in any type of relationship so that's everyone on the planet (laughs) i recommend that you watch this video it's genius and infuriating at the same time but it's great so yeah listening is harder than you would think but it's it's a very good thing and that's kind of my the direction i'll go with it that i've learned this question what can i do to help is huge and a lot of times the answer is oh you already have and i'm like oh i feel like i've done nothing because yeah like you i'm i'm like oh i want to fix it and i i have gone the other way 
too, where my wife will get home and say, oh, I'm so tired. And I'll say, oh, go to sleep. And she's like, mm-hmm. that is not what I want to hear right now. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's a lot of times I'll use that question. How can I help? And sometimes there is a specific answer. Other times it's, yeah, I've you've already helped a lot. And sometimes it's just sit here and listen to me. Sometimes you don't even have to say a word. So, yeah, I mean, a little vent session among, you know, you and your spouse or you and a good friend goes a really long ways. Yes, absolutely. And Mitch, you've found that out a few times coming from me. Yep. Well, and hey, brother, I just need to vent for a little bit here and then boom. Yep. Here's this work thing that's going on or whatever. Or, yeah, I've already told Denise this story 50 times. (laughs) you know so i need some new ears on this one yes absolutely all right well that wraps things up for us for the year we'll be back in january with another episode so just a reminder we're taking a week off over the holidays here so enjoy the suns games especially that christmas day game so cool to see the suns back playing on christmas it's been I think it's been 10 years since it happened last. Too long, too long, too long. Really excited for that one and the upcoming games. Uh, Let's let's keep this season going. It's been a lot of fun watching the team win like this. We will see you in two weeks.